The Mountain Vista Baptist Church podcast features the preaching and teaching of Pastor Robert Perry and the guest speakers of Mountain Vista Baptist. The purpose of this podcast is to help believers grow, to edify the saints, and to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, I invited you to go to Genesis 39. I'm going to read one verse out of 37. This should be just about a page back for you, so you can turn there if you'd like. But Genesis 37 and verse number 36 is where I'll begin, and then we'll jump over to 39 and the first part of chapter 39 there. Of course, a couple weeks back, we've, we started a series. Uh, it's entitled Possibilities in the Impossible, and it kind of corresponds with our year's theme of all things possible. But this specific Bible study here is on the life of Joseph. And we've, we've discussed Joseph's... Um, family life uh, and the uh, dysfunctional family that no doubt he was uh, born into. Uh, I thought it was interesting even that at our Valentine's banquet or party, uh, Brother Young uh, spoke to an extent about the mess that uh, was found in Joseph's family as well. Uh, just a little addition to even more than what we spoke about uh, in that extent as well. Uh, but we've, uh, last, uh, two weeks ago, I guess it was now, when, when I, we taught, it was uh, where Joseph was sent out by his father uh, to uh, kind of check out on his brothers, see how they were doing. When they saw him afar off, they began to scheme and they began to uh, make plans to, to even kill him. And uh, ultimately, we know that they didn't kill him. They threw him in a pit. He was sold off into slavery. We'll talk more about that. But now he's been taken off as a slave, and we find in verse, chapter 37 and in reading in verse number 36, it says, And the Midianites sold him into Egypt unto Potiphar, an officer of, Pharaoh, of Pharaoh's and captain of the guard. And we find in verse number 1 of chapter 39, it gives us, it picks back up again, and uh, Joseph is now uh, the property of Potiphar in Egypt and uh, getting to work as uh, the, doing the jobs that he'd have him to accomplish. And it says in verse number one, and it says, And Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, the officer of Pharaoh, um, captain of the guard, an, an Egyptian, bought him in the hands of, uh, at, uh, of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was, was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. And Joseph found grace in, the sight, in his sight and served him, and he made him overseer over his house, and all that he had he put into his hand. And it came to pass from the time that he had made him overseer in his house, and the Lord, uh, I'm sorry, of in the house and over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake, and the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. In verse number six, and he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he knew not aught he had, save the bread which he did eat. And Joseph was a goodly person and well favored. When we left Joseph last time, of course, we already mentioned he was being sold into slavery to this this band of merchants that was passing by. He was uh, sold to these merchants for less than $100 in our time, our day today. His brothers uh, had, had, in essence, sold him for the price of not only just a slave, but a price of a crippled slave, a price of a slave that had had, had, had some uh, better years behind, it, behind him, if you may. Um, 
And so this, this band of merchants, they take Joseph to Egypt, they put him to s- up for sale there in the land, and uh, could you just maybe put yourself in Joseph's shoes for a moment? Kind of picture yourself in his situation. Joseph's roughly around 17 years of age. He, um, he had been the favored son of his father. Uh, he had been given that coat of many colors, as we call it, showing the favor from his father, had been chosen to be the head of the family because of what that robe symbolized as well. Uh, you, this, this individual, Joseph, would be on the path of power. He would be on the path to influence. He would be in the path of prominence uh, in, within his family. And then all of a sudden, in a moment, all of it is gone. He's been sent out to the field and He's uh, approached by, as he approaches his brothers, they, they mob him, they rip his coat from him, they throw him off into a pit, and, and now he's being humiliated and humbly sold as a slave here in Egypt, and in many ways, Joseph was just simply a country boy from an unsophisticated family, and now finding himself being transported to the capital city of the most advanced nation in all the world. I mean, talk about night and day. And not only night and day in the fact that he went from on the path to being in charge to being the lowliest of low, but from the, the background and the reputation that he had to the new place that he's living as well. Imagine how Joseph must have felt as he's, as he's being taken from where he was in a pit, now into Egypt. Maybe he was tied to a back of a camel. But as he's coming in, I mean, imagine the, the uh, great pyramids that are, are there in Egypt, and they would have been standing there in Joseph's day, and um, all the things that he would have seen in the culture shock, if you may, of uh, being brought here into Egypt. On the surface, it seemed that circumstances could not be any worse for this young man named Joseph. I mean, could it get any worse? Could there be anything uh, that you could imagine to be, uh, to be more horrible than what he's experienced? In truth, those difficult days, though, were just simply stepping stones for a greater work that the Lord had planned for him. Uh, it might have seemed that Joseph's dreams were all but gone. It might have seemed that everything that he, I mean, we've already studied the dreams, right? And he had, uh, he had the, the, the stocks of, of uh, wheat and things that bowed down and the sun, moons, and stars. And, and of course, he recognized that it, rec- that it was a picture of, of uh, having some favor and having some position. It now seems like none of those things could ever take place because it's farthest from what seemingly would happen to now a slave. But while he's seeing all of this take place, and as he's put on, this, uh, on a sales block, what could not be seen was God working in the background. What could not be seen was how God was forming and fashioning the uh, things that he would have to take place in Joseph's life. No one could see that in all the trouble surrounding Joseph's life, uh, then verse number 2 of chapter 39 it says the Lord was with Joseph. How is that even possible? I mean, how is it that God is with Joseph as he's being sold into slavery? How is it that God was with Joseph when he's being thrown into a pit? How is it that God is with Joseph when, it's, when his brothers are conspiring to kill him? 
How is it that God is with Joseph when his robe has been ripped off of him and torn to shreds and actually presented later on to his father with the blood of an animal uh, uh, drenched over it and being told that he'd been eaten by some wild beast? How's God with him through these things? But we find that clearly scripture says in verse number two, and the Lord was with Joseph. I want to say to you this morning that in the midst of Joseph's darkest and trying times, the Bible says the Lord was with him. And the Bible tells us clearly that, the God, that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if God was with Joseph in his darkest times, that God is going to be present with us in our most trying times as well. Why can, how can, is it that we can call this series Possibilities in the Impossible? Because God is present. The Lord is present in our lives, and I, I want us to join into studying Joseph's early days of his slavery, and I want us to see how the Lord was with him during these times, and as we study these truths, I hope that it will be an encouragement to each and every one of us that even as we face trying times as well, that we can too realize that the Lord is with us. Can I help you to see to this morning and draw your attention back to verse number 36 of chapter 37 as we notice, number one, how the Lord assisted Joseph, how he assisted him. In verse number 36 of chapter 37, we find it says this, and the Midianites sold him into Egypt unto Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh's and, the, and captain of the guard. It seemed, though, as if all had fallen apart for Joseph. Everything that he had had, everything that he was, everything that he would be seemingly had been removed from the table and was not going to be a part of Joseph's life any longer. But can I say, my friends, that considering all the things that Joseph faced between leaving his home that day that his father sent him to meet his family and to check on his brothers, to the point of being sold to the specific individual, uh, Potiphar, in Pharaoh's, uh, in Pharaoh's um, court, that there was just far too many things that just seemed to happen, or too many things that would have to offer as just a coincidence uh, to have fallen into place, for Joseph to have all this take place. Consider, Joseph's approaching his brothers, and what, is, what does his brothers want to happen? They first conspired to just kill him outright. And we find that there was first the intervention of Reuben, found in Genesis 37, verses 21 through 22. That, uh, no, we, we ought not kill him. We don't want his blood on our hands, so we'll just throw him in the pit and let nature take its course from that point forward. You say, that's cruel and unusual to come from a brother. But literally, it, it truly served as an intervention from what could have been would, or would have been their first prerogative of slaying him, of killing him. Not only did we find the intervention of Reuben, we also see the idea of Judah, and that is to sell Joseph as a slave. So first, Joseph's on his way. They can see him afar off, and they say, they say, hey, wait a minute, um, uh, we ought, we, I can't stand this guy. He's always causing problems for us. He's causing trouble. He, he's here again trying to see what we're going to do. No doubt he's going to go tell our, our dad. We're going to get scolded again. We're going to have all kinds of issues. Let's just rid ourselves of this individual, our brother called Joseph. Let's kill him. Well, no, 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 uh, Reuben says, uh, let's not kill him. Let's throw him in the pit. We don't want his blood on our hands. Then they, they speak together some more and they say, you know what? 
if all we're going to do is leave them there and let nature take its course, we ought to get something out of this. Let's sell him and make something out of it. We read this in Genesis 37, verses 20, verse number 26. Then all of a sudden, as they're talking about selling Joseph as a slave, guess who shows up? A band of merchants just happened to be traveling along that corridor and that route for them to be able to sell him off into slavery. We read that in verse three, chapter 37, verse number 28. And then, specifically where he was sold to, sold into the house of Potiphar, sold into a place where he was able to uh, have some hands-on work to be done and to begin to advance, and the Lord blessed him and Potiphar's family through it. I'm just here to tell you that there's just too much that has taken place to write it off as it's just merely coincidental. In fact, we read here, when we read about uh, Potiphar, it tells us that Potiphar was a captain of the guard. Uh, many believe this to mean that he was a chief executioner or that he might have been the head of the, uh, of the Pharaoh's secret service or police force, if you wanted to put it that way. He would have been responsible for protecting the Pharaoh and dealing with those who would ever dare to attack the Pharaoh. Potiphar, therefore, by virtue of his position, would have been in contact with many dignitaries. He would have been in contact with many political officials of Egypt. And it's not outside the realm of opportunity, seeing how where Joseph came into prominence in Potiphar's life and in his house and in his dealings, that Joseph would have had some interaction with some of the most powerful people in Egypt and some of the most powerful people in all the world in that day. People that would actually serve Joseph later on in his life. Here's a young man that was a simple slave that was, that was supposed to just go about and do the work of his master, and that's it, he's being elevated to a place where he's able to have control of everything that Potiphar has for the most part, probably have an interaction with some of the most powerful people in the world of that day, and would eventually, my friends, have those powerful people serving under him, as we know how the end of the story uh, uh, results and how it comes to fruition. See, all I'm saying is as we study how God, uh, study how all this took place, it's evident in, to me anyways that God assisted Joseph through everything that took place. You can see how the Lord is in control and how he's working uh, and, and, and taking care of Joseph and how he's molding and fashioning the actions and, uh, that are taking place and the actions of individuals as well. Joseph's brothers wanted to kill him, but they didn't. They wanted to just throw him into a, a pit, but they didn't just do that. So they decided, let's make some money off of him. And then all of a sudden, there's some merchants that happen to be coming by at the very same time. And, the, and, and from Joseph's brothers to the merchant traders to the, to, the, uh, to the individual who ultimately chooses him to be purchased. Can I, can I just pause right here and say this? I picture, like in my mind, how some of these things take place and... And you can't help but picture things that you've seen visually as well, right? I, I, I'm a pretty big Star Wars fan. And so in the very first Star Wars that was ever created, A New Hope, Episode 4, 
uh, Luke is purchasing some droids off of the Jawa ship there and everything. He's like, I want that one. No, I want that one. I kind of picture this is how Joseph was on the sales block. I mean, there's that, there had to be other people there, right? And, and I, I could just see it. I mean, in, in the Star Wars, this is what happens. Luke chooses one, and as the droid is going away, it kind of blows the gasket and breaks down. And he's like, what are you trying to do? Sell me a, a broken droid? And the Jawas come back and say, no, this one's better. This one's a good one and all this. And C-3PO says, yeah, I've worked with this one. And that's how he gets R2-D2 and all this type of thing. I can just see the, these traders. They had a, a band of individuals that they were selling. And maybe Potiphar had come along and, and chosen one. Because after all, these merchants had purchased Joseph for the price of a broken slave. So perhaps maybe they said he's not going to be worth very much. And so maybe Potiphar overlooked him a little bit and he chose somebody else. And as he's walking away, he trips and twists his ankle. And Potiphar says, I don't want that one. I guess I'll take that boy over there. I'm adding to all that. That's not scripture. That's Bobbyology. It's okay. Uh, I'm just saying is this, is like, you ever picture some of those things? How things that might have happened? My friends, God is working and he's moving and he's molding and he's helping all of this to come to place. While the events of Joseph's life appeared to be out of control, in fact, they were under full control in the Lord's hands. You see, Joseph was protected by the Lord. He was assisted by him because he had God's presence on him. Look at verse number 2 of chapter 39 again. And the Lord was with Joseph. How is it that the Lord assisted him through all this? Well, the Lord was ever present with him. His presence assisted him in keeping him from getting a bitter spirit. Could you imagine how Joseph would have had to have felt having his brothers hate him? Throw him in a pit to die and eventually selling him off at, for the price of a broken slave? It would have been very easy for Joseph to just get angry and bitter and throw in the towel. But there's never a hint of Joseph ever doing that. We find God assisted him by his, with his presence. He assisted him with it through his providence as well. The dreams that God had given Joseph, uh, they're not off track. This is just the process. This is the journey that he had to take in order to be able to get that to be accomplished. See... He, he, he assisted him through protecting him as well. There could have been all kinds of other things that, uh, that he would have experienced, but God kept him from experiencing any horrors. You say, slavery is pretty horrifying. Yes, but it could have been worse. My friends, God protected Joseph. God, his presence was with Joseph. God's providence was a part of Joseph's life. And God, again, is the same God today as he was then. And you and I have those same promises as well. We, too, have his presence. Hebrews 13, 5 and Matthew 28, 20. We have his help to deal with our past and our problems and our pain. Ephesians 4, verses 29 through 32. And we do not have to become bitter. We don't have to become angry or unforgiving. We can display the spirit of the Lord because he's with us. In fact, we have the promise of protection in the fact that Romans 8.28 tells us that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that they are the called according to his purpose. Before we move on to the next point this morning, let me just state this, that as we are seeing how the Lord assisted him through every step of the way, protecting him, 
uh, being in his presence and providing for him, let, let us not also miss the truth that sometimes obedience to the Lord and following his will and his plan might just guide us or lead us right smack dab into the eye of the storm. God's plan, his purpose, his protection, his presence was all part of Joseph's life. But that didn't mean that Joseph just skated through life and laid in a bed of roses. You, you people say that, but I don't know if I want to lay in a bed of roses. They're thorny, right? But nevertheless, it wasn't just a life of ease. God's presence and protection and plan actually brought Joseph right smack dab into the middle of the storm. Sometimes that's going to be the case for you and I, my friends. Sometimes just being obedient and following the Lord's will is not going to just mean everything's perfect the way we want them to be perfect. But sometimes in our mind's eye, it's going to seem as though we're going through the midst of the storm. But never fear. Because we do know we have the presence of God. Number one, we see that the Lord assisted him. Number two this morning, we see that the Lord abounded in him. Look at verses two and three of chapter 39. It says, and the Lord was with Joseph, and uh, he was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian, and his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. When Joseph arrived in Egypt, he didn't, and he, he didn't have his coat of many colors any longer. And what did we say when we, when we spoke about his coat of many colors? That, that it was a picture, it was a sign of prominence. It was a sign that he had been chosen by his father uh, to be the next in charge, uh, to, to be blessed and all. But when he arrives in Egypt, he doesn't have that any longer. His identity, if you may, as somebody had been stripped away. But although he didn't have his identity as somebody any longer, you know what Joseph still had? He still had his character, and he still had the presence of the Lord. And as he, as he stayed faithful to the Lord, the Lord, through Joseph's character, made his blessings to abound in him. See, as we said already, Joseph's coat, was a symbol of his position in the family. It marked him as the overseer. It marked him as the head of the family. It marked him as the one in charge of all things. It marked him as a man of authority. However, Joseph's authority was not because he owned a robe. Truly, his authority was because of the Lord's blessings abounding in him. He was a godly young man. He was a, a young man who was faithful to the Lord. And Joseph's greatness did not come because of the clothes that he wore on his body. Joseph's greatness came because of the God who indwelled him. And as he abounded in him, we find that even though it seemed that he'd been stripped away from who he was, worldly speaking, we find that it could not strip away whose he was with God in him, abounding in him. And he may have worn the humble garments of a slave, but he was still a man of God. He was still a man of character. He was still a man of integrity. My friends, we ought to have the same testimony in our lives today. 
We might have had our plans, we might have had our ideas, and we might have had our, our goals in our lives, and that's what made us who we are, that's where we found our identity, that's where we found our, 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 our importance, and for whatever reason, it seems like everything in this world has stripped that away. Even if that's the case, my friend, we should not lose our character. We should not lose our integrity. We should not lose our faithfulness to the Lord. We should not lose the fact that of the Lord abounding in us. We ought to be like Joseph. And we ought to be able to continue to press on in the power of God as he works his plan in and through us. See, the fact that the Lord was abounding in, in Joseph is evident in the fact that when he got to Egypt, Joseph could have taken several different paths. Joseph could have taken the path of being bitter and angry. Joseph could have taken the path of, of um, assimilating into the culture and even the religious practices of those in Egypt. Joseph could have taken the path of, of, uh, of working the way he did, but out of the wrong motivation, out of the motivation of trying to be set free, out of the motivation of trying to become someone to make a name for himself. But my friends, Joseph did not follow any of those paths. You, know what, you want to know the path he continued to follow? He continued to follow the path that he followed when he was at, in his home with his family, the path that he followed when he had the coat that recognized him as somebody of authority, someone that was important. He continued to follow the path, the path of pleasing and living for his God. And the fact that the Lord abounded in him is proven or shown in how he continued to serve God faithfully when everything else around him seemed to be falling apart. Like Joseph, you and I need to establish some boundaries or guidelines in our life that say, These, this is my life for the Lord, and regardless of what changes, regardless of what is taken away, regardless of what I lose, I'm not going to lose my testimony. I'm not going to lose my my faithfulness and my trust, I should say it that way better, my faith in the Lord. We're told here in these verses we've read that Joseph was a prosperous man. Notice verse number two again. He was a prosperous man. <coughs> Excuse me. And we find that he was prosperous because verse number three tells us that the Lord made everything that his hand touched to prosper. And to everything that he did uh, had a good outcome. My friends, the things that happened in Joseph's life as he was in the house of Potiphar wasn't just mere happenstance. It wasn't just luck. This, this was the hand of God at work in his life. So much so, the Bible tells us that even Potiphar, a wicked, pagan, godless man, said he noticed that God was with Joseph. Can you imagine that? Wouldn't you and I want a testimony that says the world around us can tell that God is with us? Joseph was in a bad situation, but he still lived a life that was blessed by the Lord. And my friends, you and I can have the same when the Lord is found abounding in us. Lastly, this morning as we close, we see that the Lord... The, the Lord uh, assisted Joseph. He assisted him. Number two, we noticed that how the Lord abounded in him. 
But number three, as we close this morning, notice that it was the Lord that advanced him. We read in verses four through six, and Joseph found grace in, the, in his sight. This, of course, would be Potiphar's sight. And he served him, and he made him overseer over his house, and all that he had he put into his hands. And it came to pass uh, from, the from the time that he had made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and, the, and in the field. And he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he knew not uh, he had saved the bread which he did eat. And Joseph was a goodly person and well favored. See, Potiphar saw that the hand of God was on Joseph, and uh, because of that, um, we find that Joseph begins to get opportunities. Were these opportunities truly given to him by Potiphar? Well, physically speaking, you would say yes. But the opportunities abounded because of the fact of the Lord being with him. Scripture clearly tells us that the Lord blessed Potiphar's house. Why? Because Potiphar was such a great guy? No, he, he blessed Potiphar's house for the sake of Joseph. Because Joseph allowed the Lord to abound in him. He stayed faithful to God. He trusted in the Lord. Even in the midst of dire circumstances, the Lord blessed the things that were happening around Joseph for Joseph's sake. We find that as Potiphar watched Joseph work and he saw the result of his work, he, it was as if everything Joseph touched turned to gold. He had like the Midas touch, right? And everything he did prospered. And, and so therefore, the, the, the master Potiphar began to give more and more opportunity. See, can I say this this morning that we all have people in our life that have some type of authority over us, even those who don't have a workplace, maybe retired, somewhere, somehow, some way, we've got people that, that have authority over us. And we ought to take a page out of Joseph's book and just serve faithfully, not because that individual is worthy, but because we're serving as if we were serving the Lord. New Testament teaches us that, that principle, of course, Ephesians 6, 5 through 9, Colossians 3, 22 through 4, 1. You could say this, that like cream, Joseph was rising to the top. He was, he was, this, he was standing out. And regardless of the situation he found himself in, he was walking with integrity. He was seeking to glorify God in his life. And this showed through his life. Even Potiphar, a pagan Egyptian, saw something was different in Joseph. And as we've even alluded to earlier, that ought to be our testimony today as well. Let me close with this saying that Joseph lived a godly life. Scripture puts it this way, he was a goodly person, well favored. If we match that up to Romans 3, though, it tells us that there's none good. No, not one. So we have to come to the conclusion that the goodly person that Joseph was was not because of anything he had or anything he did. It was because of who he had in him and the Lord abiding in him and the work of the Lord abounding in him uh, was what was found good in Joseph's life. And so their life, therefore, we would say that Joseph was a, he lived a godly life. Um, he glorified God and God promoted him and used him in a powerful way. And 
Can I say this morning also as we close that the Lord will do the same in your life and mine when we seek to glorify him? Because when he gives back, we don't want to receive it for our own selves. We don't try to bring the accolades to ourselves and point them to ourselves. We, we turn them back to God and we point others to Christ through that. Luke 16.10 tells us, he, is, he that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much, and he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. When we bloom where we are planted and when we serve the Lord with, with, uh, with integrity, he will open up avenues of service for us that we couldn't even imagine. He will use us when we get ourselves, or allow ourselves, I should say, rather to be, in a place of usability. Joseph, he had no control over the circumstances he was facing. He did not choose to be sold as a slave. He did not get to choose who purchased him. But what he did have a control over was his attitude and his willingness. And his attitude was such that God's in control, and I'm trusting him. His willingness was, Lord, use me any way you see fit in the circumstances I'm found in. I, you and I today can't determine and choose the circumstances we face. You leave the, the, the church today, you're driving down the road, and you get a flat tire. I'm sure none of us would choose for that to happen, but we, sometimes we just don't have any say in the matter. What we can have a say in, though, is our attitude towards how we respond to that and our willingness and how we would allow the Lord to use us in that. It could be that as, the, as we pull over and we get out to get ready to try to change the tire, that someone pulls up behind us and offers help, and there's an opportunity for a witness. All I'm saying is it all comes down to our usability, our willingness for the Lord, uh, willingness to allow the Lord to use us in spite of the circumstances we face. See, God uses the sorrows in Joseph's life to be able to shape him into the man that he desires him to become. And the trials Joseph faced and the trials that you and I face, guess what? They're never easy. They're tough. They're real. They hurt. But they do, however, help to, help to teach us to depend upon God. The title of the lesson this morning as we've seen how the Lord advanced Joseph, how he abided in Joseph, and how he assisted Joseph, the title of the lesson is simply this, the Lord is present. And can I say this morning, the Lord is present with you and I today as well. And as he worked in Joseph's life, he can work in our lives as well. And what an amazing God, a God who can do all things, who can bring to, bring to possibility what is seemingly impossible. Our Father, we do thank you for this morning and the message that you've given us from your word today. I ask God that you would just bless our time in your word today, that you'd be honored and glorified through it, and that we would have been drawn closer to you and learn more about how you work in our lives because of it. Lord, we do thank you for all that you do. Thank you for those who came earlier for this, the first service, for those who are just here now for this second service. Lord, we just ask now that your will be accomplished through it all. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Thank you. You're dismissed. We'll move into our...